Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Remember when your sins were covered? Remember when they were washed under the blood? Remember times when you've gone to Him and said, Oh God, and God has answered. Steps towards restoration involve, first of all, looking back insightfully over the past and remembering His mercies, how He restored, how He forgave. In today's message, Pastor Ed shares with us steps that are taken on a journey toward restoration. When we've hit our limit and feel that God is distant and silent, we tend to lose sight of the big picture, or at least how we fit into that picture. At those times, it's helpful to revisit our personal history, but with a different perspective. We can then see that God was with us in those times of despair and is still with us now and desires more than anything to rekindle that passion for him and his purpose. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Psalms, chapter 85, verse 2, with his continuing study entitled, Restore Us. We're so constituted, when others are sinning, we tend to follow the crowd. And so in Israel, everybody was involved in idolatry. They were a nation of liars. And on and on the list of sins goes. And that's the way it is here, even in our nation. What everybody is doing. Everybody cheats on their tax returns. Everybody lies. We've been called a nation of liars. It's a way, a culture of America. But don't think because everybody does it, God won't judge it. He judges nations. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah. See, when we walk with God, we're not following what everybody else is doing. We're endeavoring to follow his holy word. We're marching to the beat of a different drum than this present world. No matter if the culture is going down, we need to be going up towards God. No matter if they're going away from God, we need to be going towards, towards the Lord. And so you can see that God doesn't work by a majority vote. It's his vote that counts and his word that stands. We're going to see in our nation a continued growing violence. We sometimes don't make the connection between all that's happening and our turning our backs on God. Uh, we're, we're seeing things crumble around us, but we remember times of great awakening. I remember the first great awakening and the second great awakening, times with Finney and times with Jonathan Edwards, where our nation was literally changed. And usually revivals last for a year, two years, the most, maybe three in some places. But generally speaking, generally speaking, that's what Peter Wagner and others who study revival have said to us. I believe that if we look back and we draw from the past and say, God, I remember all the good things that you've done. You've done it in my life. You've done it in the history of others. You've done it in the church. God, do it again. Now, just stop for a moment and think about that. Would you say with me and would you pray with me, 
God, revive us again. Say it out loud. God, revive us again. Make that your prayer. Make that your passion. Make that the prayer that you pray this coming week as you look at Psalm 85, as you take the scripture and say, oh God, restore us again. And here's what the psalmist prayed in verse three. You set aside all your wrath. You turn from your fierce anger. We know what it's like to be under his wrath or displeasure. And then all of a sudden have God turn and show favor towards us. And so that's what the psalmist was saying. Oh God, I want to experience your favor. And so he's remembering what God did. He looks back insightfully over history and he sees the hand of God watching and guiding and leading and restoring and forgiving, covering the sins. Remember when your sins were covered? Remember when they were washed under the blood? Remember times when you've gone to him and said, oh God, and God has answered. The steps towards Restoration involved, first of all, looking back insightfully over the past and remembering his mercies, how he restored, how he forgave. And now the psalmist moves on to looking at the present. He doesn't put rose-colored glasses on, but he looks at it realistically. Looking realistically at the present. In verse 4, He says, and put away your displeasure towards us. Can you see God's displeasure over our nation? Let me just read a couple of verses. One found in Isaiah chapter 66. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. In Joel the prophet, Joel says... Help, Lord, help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. The flames have burned up all the trees. Even the wild animals cry out to you because the streams have dried up. And fire has consumed wilderness pastures. What's happening with the fires across our nation? You can gather together the greatest economist the greatest minds from Harvard and Yale and Princeton and wherever, and let them tinker with all of their understanding with the economy. If God says, I'm judging you and I'm judging your economy, doesn't matter what the greatest minds plan or what they try to do. If we recognize that as, and again, Amos, Amos says that God in anger, he said, I'm going to allow no rain over those fields, and those fields would dry up, and the harvest would be nil. God is a powerful God, and he is sovereign. The woes, the problems of our nation, I believe they're connected with our disobedience to God. Now, that's happened throughout history. We've seen times and seasons of judgment throughout history. And it happens throughout not only our history, but throughout the world. But it takes a prophetic eye, the spiritual mind, the heart of God and the mind of God to understand what's happening. Look what happened in Colorado. 
And look what's happened over the past number of decades with the increasing growing of violence. And so he looks at the situation and he says, restore us again. Verses 4 to 5. He said, God, you did it in the past. I'm looking at the present. And what had happened was the people now were in the promised land and they became preoccupied with their own homes to neglecting the house of the Lord. They became preoccupied with their own lives. And again, you read about it in the Minor Prophets. You read about it in Nehemiah and in Ezra. Restore us again, O God our Savior. Put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? These newly freed Jews had lost their enthusiasm for the house of God. What has happened in our nation? More and more people are forsaking the house of the Lord. More and more people want to have their ears tickled and want to hear things that are merely appealing to them. So it was in biblical times, so it is today. More and more have lost the passion to be in the house of God with the people of God. It's a sign that we need restoration in the nation. It's a sign that we need God to show up once again in a powerful way. We have lost our sense of accountability to God. We've made man an end in himself so that he sits and rules and reigns and what the Pew Foundation says or what the Gallup poll says or what some other poll says, that becomes the rule of the land. It's man wise in his own eyes and we are calling wrong, right, and right, wrong. God, restore us. Restore us. And then he prays. Not only restore us, but revive us. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Years ago at a board retreat, I gave out to all of the board members a prayer book written by Puritans. And to read some of the prayers and to pray some of those prayers were so powerful. They were searching. I think we as Christians ought to write our own prayers. We ought to pray extemporaneously. And we ought to look at some of the devotional writers of years past who had a deep relationship to God and prayed to God. I would love to take some of maybe Jonathan Edwards' prayers as he prayed for national revival and say, oh God, grant it again. Revive us again. You did it in our nation. I remember going down to Pensacola with a friend of mine. As we went down to Pensacola, there was a lasting impact on all of our lives. But he was talking to me about it the other day. He said, you know, I remember. And he said, I've never been the same. I think about in our nation how Pensacola and Toronto literally changed the face of Christianity. The high church, Anglican church, many of them went up to Toronto, some went down to Florida. Many of the churches were influenced, Christians were influenced. You would stand on lines in Pensacola, and as you were standing in a line, you would feel the presence of God. People would just immediately start worshiping the Lord. I, I could think about our church. 
There were times where the presence of God was so powerful that you couldn't even stand in the front. I remember times where the Spirit of God would move and we danced in the Spirit around this sanctuary. See, there are times of restoration, times of revival. We need those seasons in our life. And our prayer ought to be, God, send a move of your spirit among us. Send a move of your spirit to Faith Assembly of God. We want you to work in our hearts, to work in this community of faith. God, send the fire. God, renew us. God, revive us. God, restore us. God, work in our lives. See, sometimes we just seem to drift away and we go into sort of a mechanical routine and we lose the sense of his awesome presence. Oh, God, come into this place. That's what our church needs. That's what our community needs. And the psalmist prayed in verse 7. This is a prayer. They sang it in the sanctuary. They prayed it among the people of God. And they said, show us your unfailing love, Lord. Grant us your salvation. Oh, God, that word salvation means deliverance. Grant us your deliverance. Oh, God, may people walk in this church and be delivered from the powers of the enemy. May people in this congregation experience your mighty power because, God, in the natural, we're not strong enough. But, God, when you show up, it all changes. When you show up, oh, God, things change in our lives, in our community, in the church. And, God, revive us. Restore us. Again, Jonathan Edwards said, when God is about to do a great work, he pours out a spirit of supplication. Now what I want you to do is just in your mind, take that piece of chalk, stand in the center of it, and draw that circle around yourself and say, Lord, send an anointing, a mantle of prayer in my life that I might wait and seek and call on your holy name that I might stand in the gap and that I might know your power. God, revive us and restore us. Now the psalmist looked at the past insightfully and he recognized that God forgave them, God restored them and that gave him hope and strength to pray for tomorrow. But as he looked at the present, he looked at it realistically and he recognized that we that he, that they needed restoration and revival. And as he prayed that in his heart, God began to speak. And so he looks to the future, hopefully. He looks to the future, not with doubt, not with dread, not with unbelief, but with hope. Looking hopefully to the future, verse 12 the Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Again, the land connected with their relationship to God. You know, if our nation would turn back to God, there would be a tremendous change in our economy. If our nation would turn back to God, and suddenly we would be an honest and truthful people, our courts would change, our laws would be well, they'd be righteous. Imagine people running for election and being actually truthful and saying about their opponents, no, he is better at that than I am, but this is what I bring to... Imagine that happening. 
Instead of the constant spin, God help us. Here's the steps as he prayed, as he looked forward. He, he, he was praying. It says, Lord, you'll bless our land. And this is what Leviticus says. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruit, if you will. What does the psalmist say we must do as we look forward to the future? One, listen. Listen. God speaks to those who listen to him. I will listen to what the Lord will say. Imagine getting into the holy place and listening to that still, small voice, shutting out the voice of the world, shutting out the voice of ungodly counsel, shutting out the voice of our carnal nature and saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Like Samuel the prophet who went before God and said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can we just say that to God for a moment? Are you willing to hear God's voice? Are you willing to listen to God? Are you willing to hear? Because God is not mute. He still speaks. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Make that your prayer in times with God. And if God says to you, get rid of this, you get rid of it. If God says, do this, you do that. If God says, obey me here where you've been walking in disobedience. If God says, here's how I want you to live. I want you to take this book and I want you to live out the truth of Scripture. I want you to respond to your trials, respond to your circumstance, respond to the situation in a way that's supernatural rather than natural. God, here I am, listening to this written word, listening to that still, small voice. God blesses those who will not only listen, but those who will reverence him, fear him, treat him with respect in verses 8 to 9. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people. His saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Don't, Isaiah the prophet says, don't fear what men fear. Fear God. See, when I fear what men fear, I'm bound by all the principles that govern this world. But when I fear God, suddenly I'm free to serve him and to live for him. That means I'm walking with a deep sense of reverence before him. I'm praying the Lord's prayer that says, hallowed be thy name. Oh, that means that I have inside a spiritual uh, compass that guides and leads me. And I'm trying to walk to please the Lord and to honor the Lord. I don't care what the culture is doing. I don't care what my neighbor is doing. I don't care what my friend is doing. I'm thinking, oh God, I want to hear your voice. I want to listen to you. I want to obey you. God, I want to walk with you with reverence. See, the idea, God is going to bless those. And he says, don't return to folly. It's so easy when you set on this walk with God 
that you could backslide. The world pulls you back and you begin to live like those in this world. We're not called to live like those in this world. They'll not accuse you. They'll not uh, convict you, but God's spirit will. And, and you say, listen, I'm going to walk the way God wants me to walk. I'm going to talk the way God wants me to talk. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. This sense of deep reverence. Oh, that there would be a holy fear in our church so that when people would walk in, they would sense God's presence. God, send us a move of your Holy Spirit. When that happens, God shows you. God shows you how to walk. His footsteps become the footsteps that you follow. God prepares a way for us to follow him. It says, righteousness will go before him and he shall make his footsteps our pathway. Isn't that beautiful? His footsteps become our pathway. Uh, The messenger before God is righteousness. It's like a forerunner to a king, to a ponte, to a ruler. And, And righteousness goes before him. And now he leaves his footsteps. And like a child trying to walk in his father's footsteps, we begin the walk in the footsteps of our heavenly father. We begin to walk like Jesus walked begin to live in this present world like Jesus lived. How difficult that is. We're so bombarded by the powers of this world that would pull us this way and pull us that way. But God wants to set a pathway for us. It's a highway of holiness. It's a highway of dedication. And it looks different than the world. It's different than our neighbors. It's different than those who don't know Christ. But he'll show you the path. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. God, if you listen and you develop a sense of deep reverence, holy awe of him, and you're trying to walk in the footsteps of the master. You're going to be blessed. He knows what's best for you. The world says, oh, this is how you ought to do it. Get all that you can get. Do it a carnal way. God says, no, wait upon me. Trust in me. Put your hands in my hand. Trust me. Uh, We begin to do it God's way. Suddenly things begin to change. He blesses the land. He blesses our home. I mean, you wake up in the morning with God's presence. You go to sleep at night with God's presence. You may be in a storm, but there's peace in your heart. You may be in difficulties, but you're walking on a miracle and in a miracle. You're walking on that stormy water and you're not sinking under those waves. See, you begin to listen to God. You begin to obey his voice. You begin to do what he asks you to do. And life suddenly changes his blessing, his favor rests on you and you can have joy in the most difficult of times. His blessing will carry you through and keep you in the dark hour because you know that you know that you know. You've heard his voice and you said, yes, Lord, I'm trusting, I'm obeying. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith. 
with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's special four-part series in the book of Psalms. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and simply clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the book of Psalms right here on Voice of Faith.